Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by FanDuel. With our promo code 444, new users can take advantage of FanDuel's risk-free first bets. Get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. Download FanDuel Sportsbook app today, enter a promo code 444, and take advantage. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. We'll start with Daigle first. You've been away, buddy, um, on a beautiful excursion to one of the most beautiful places in North America, arguably on the planet. Um, how you doing, bud? Was in the mountains with no reception for three consecutive days in the Canadian Rockies as well. And even though I did get two previews done while I was in the cabins, but I reached ground level again once I reached Bow Lake and turned on my phone, got on Twitter. There were a bunch of fantasy football threads, turned off my phone, went back to life. Remembered that uh, I missed absolutely nothing in the outside world. It's true. It's true. Spearheading the threads from our side of the world, our uh, director of social, uh, along with many other things, the hats that this man wears are plentiful. Uh, Connor Allen, how are we doing? Um, yeah, I'm good. Uh, you missed the great uh, war of threads, the war of spools, as some may call it. Uh, you know, it's it, it was it was a pretty crazy time on Twitter the last couple of days with people arguing about how you know, threads are bad and how they've ruined Twitter and, you know, all the old people, you know, yelling at the sky and, you know, all the, all the young engagement farmers getting their hand out of the dirt, hands out of the dirt and talking about how important it is. So it was a pretty wild time. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting time to discuss what, uh, you know, I don't think we would have thought maybe three years ago that we'd be wishing for the days of fantasy Twitter of that day, but uh, it's definitely an interesting time online uh as connor has pointed out connor constantly online dragging me today for engaging with you know multiple bad subsets of the internet that uh you know hey it's gonna happen daigle ran into it a couple weeks ago with his his cincinnati Bengals takes you stay on you stay online long enough you're gonna run into some uh some issues i listened to the afc north preview uh with sharp clark really good episode but connor threw me under the bus saying that I was simply trying <laughs> to engage. Like I was not trying to engage at all. That's why I muted the thread and all the quote unquote beat writers who are actually just fans. I just muted the conversation so I didn't have to listen to them anymore. It's like, yeah, great. You have the same opinion as every other fan. Wow. What a unique take you have. Uh, so no, like I definitely never, ever want to engage with anyone on Twitter. I don't care about engagement. Uh, that was my take on the Bengals. You can go to the team previews to read an in-depth take rather than just listening to some shitty 30-second clip I put on because I can't clip <laughs> videos. I just try to get our episode out there, but no more. I'm done trying. I thought you did a great job. No, it was a good video. Here's the thing, Daigle. We have to remember what this shift of Connor looks like over the last like 30 days or so. Right? He took on the social role, and he's he's trying to get – out into the TikTok space and Instagram, and he's trying to level up multiple Twitter accounts. And his brain literally is just thinking about engagement constantly. It's not a bad thing. It's actually serving a great purpose for us as a company. So he is literally wired to like seek engagement at this point. I'm not so, yelling at Connor working though. No, the but the terminology is, is key because he's thinking of it that way. Okay. So he he okay. kind of planted it on you because that's, I think, how his mind's working. I, I assure you, I did not want all that engagement. I promise I'm, you. I'm sure you did not. I'm sure From you did not. From the entire state of Ohio. I'm the only person who defends Ohio. I have literally gone on record with so many people around the world saying Cleveland, Ohio is the most <laughs> underrated city in America. I tell everyone that. I love that city, and I'm the one who got yelled at. You do unnecessarily go there often, so I, you know, I will say. That I like, think I think Ohio is an amazing place. I really do. Not just anymore. We're, we're going to clip that. Though. We're going to clip that and just put it in the mentions. You know, reply to all those and just put tag that. Joe oh, Goodberry and I got get some likes. <laughs> I got some Terry McLaurin takes. Just wait for today. Oh, boy, Ohio perfect. State's going to get angry again. No. <laughs> <laughs> Little tease. We are here to talk about the NFC East. We have uh, got three behind us. We are. I guess this would be our halfway point of our. Uh, betting previews as Tegel mentioned we had a fill-in for him sharp clark last week uh on the afc east podcast thought it was fantastic as the series has been we've talked about all of them youtube podcast form no matter how you listen to consume go back and check those out i think they are obviously still holding up um and we're gonna again get into the nfc east here so before you do i want to remind you that the betting subscription on 444 is the best way to get access to 
our official thoughts and bets here and all the great content on the site. Daigle has been working on these previews that are very extensive for every team. Uh, 444.com slash plans. The betting uh, sub is going to get you access to everything on the site. Continue to have new tools. We have a brand new tool that is coming very soon. That is, ah, man, I don't even know. I'm like really excited about this thing because it's going to save me so much time. It's something I've done by hand for a number of years. A lot of you that follow me, asked for it. It's probably one of the tweets that I put out during the football season weekly that gets the most engagement. As we talk about Twitter engagement again, um, we're going to have a tool that's going to make it easier for us and for you to consume that information as a user and then to kind of get it on a matchup level. I'm stoked about that. It's going to be coming very, very soon down the pipeline. So uh, let's jump into it. Unless you guys have anything else at the top, let's get into the NFC East. Uh, this is a, I think maybe a little bit of an underrated division that is coming I think back from a couple of down seasons, when we look from the conference interconference schedule standpoint, they are facing the NFC North and the AFC South, which is a very easy division, which is kind of why we see some fairly soft strength of schedules here throughout 17th game is against the AFC North. And we'll start with the Cowboys. Dallas is the favorite here. Still 18 to one to win the Super Bowl. Get that number on DraftKings eight and a half to one to win the NFC. Uh, represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Ten and a half is the win total number, depending on the juice that you could shop uh, at Caesars, points bet. And then they are plus 135 as the favorite here on DraftKings to win the division. Surprising, I guess, that they are maintaining some coaching continuity when you consider um, Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn were very popular candidates. I think they both interviewed with four squads in the offseason to fill head coaching jobs. They are both back. Mike McCarthy back as well for year three. Again, knowing that there's lots of rumors around that job and the Sean Payton stuff and all that's going on there. Um, Dig, I'll let you get started. Talk to me about the Cowboys from a strength of schedule standpoint real quick, 10th, and then uh, they have a plus eight rust advantage. I think the Cowboys quietly suffered the most impactful losses of any team this offseason. Recall also that Mike McCarthy, after the team was penalized 14 times against the 49ers and their, of course, first-round loss in the playoffs, uh, he went to the podium at the NFL Combine and claimed that the number one issue moving forward is that they're going to solve the penalties. And then, of course, they drafted 21-year-old Tyler Smith, who led his class with 12 holding calls last year. Um, Just going to plug him in immediately as Connor Williams' default starter at left guard, which is extremely concerning, especially after they lost Lyle Collins the other side of the line as well. Not to mention that we know that turnovers forced are not sticky, and this team led the league in that category last year. In terms of their schedule, as you mentioned, it is soft. Uh, We mentioned this in our draft grades, I believe, or perhaps scheduling episode, but one of them that the Cowboys play six games this year against teams with less than a week to prepare, so a short week. And to put that in perspective, last year, only one team played four such games. The Cowboys got six to jam themselves into the postseason due to the schedule makers. And so I think they did actually get quite an easy draw despite being the less talented you know, in terms relative to the Eagles, the less talented team and offense in this entire division. And so I do think they can squeak into the playoffs given the cards they drew, but it's not actually a team I take seriously in the NFC. Hmm, Interesting. Okay. Uh, Connor, thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, they're favored in 11 games this season to look at headlines. So the market clearly likes them. But I think a lot of that has to do with the schedule, uh, as, as we mentioned before. Some other stats that I kind of dug up looking for this, and Noonan, you mentioned here on the top, a lot of these came from our tool that just make it very easy to compare stats. Uh, we'll make it like your life so much easier to compare stats for across teams. Cowboys defense last year ranked third in EPA per play, second against the pass, but just 20th against the run. Uh, and they also were 19th in yards per game allowed, but seventh in points per game. Uh, fourth in points per drive. Uh, it just seems like a lot of that was, you know, a little bit uh, random, I guess. If you're allowing a lot of yards and not a lot of points, you know, I mean, either you have a stellar red zone defense or you got lucky. Uh, you know, I'd like to think that playing against the Giants, literally the worst red zone team in the league, a team that actually finished with like the highest percentage of field goals in the league compared to touchdowns. Um, and then they also, as Dago mentioned here, lost Randy Gregory, who counted for 43 pressures last year and six sacks. So I think that's, that is a big, big loss for them up front. 
Um, my biggest takeaway here, though, is something that I bet CD Lamb most receptions in the league at 15 to 1 on DK. We got it at 17 to 1, but still at 15. Michael Gallup probably going to start the season on POP and maybe miss more time than that. Uh, Amari Cooper is gone. So right now, the receiving core is Lamb. I mean, third rounder, Jalen Tolbert, who we like, but you know, I don't really expect him to step in and be a target hog right away. James Washington. Dalton Schultz, and this is still a team that you know is probably going to have to throw the ball a bunch. I mean, they're going to try and run, um, but they also ranked either first or second in pace during the three seasons since Kellen Moore took over as an offensive coordinator. So, you know, a lot of plays, probably a lot of passes. I think some more closer games this year. I think that C.D. Lamb could be, you know, flirting with the top of the board there. So 15 to 1 for me is still a good look. Yeah, I like that look a lot. Um, yeah, the defensive side, I think Daigle makes a good call. I mean, they obviously have playmakers, right? We have Micah Parsons came in and was, I think, exceeded expectations in a big way. And I think they deserve some credit for how they used him too because they didn't really just use him in one way. Like they allowed him to set the edge. Sometimes they allowed him to pressure the quarterback. And I think he really allowed them to do multiple things. And they had kind of had a vanilla defense for a number of years. And actually Dan Quinn himself had – really been known to have kind of a vanilla defense and he mixed things up more than years past. And then obviously, you know, Trayvon Diggs was about as high risk, high reward as they get when you kind of look at some of like the underlying metrics and how he was graded and some stuff like that. Cause obviously, you know, pick sixes are massively impactful interceptions in general are impactful. Obviously turning someone over is, is not a bad thing, but just, again, he was such a gambler out there and gave up a ton of big plays. I think that's why you get some discrepancy around some of the EPA uh, and then yards per drive and, you know, points per drive type numbers. Cause this is kind of indicative of, of how they play. Randy Gregory, we've all mentioned, they didn't really do anything to address that need uh, other than adding Sam Williams in the draft in the second round, incredibly talented kid out of the sec, but like his off the field stuff reads like, uh, like one of Connor's 10 tweet threads. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on off the field with Sam Williams. If he could stay on the field, maybe he can make some plays and they're going to need someone to, to also, you know, rush the passer on the other side. We see all these elite teams really at this point have uh, at least two solid pass rushers. So on the offense, I am, uh, I don't know, I'm encouraged. It's also, I think the Amari Cooper loss is, again, like when we saw how the rest of the wide receiver market played out this season, I think they probably missed the mark on that uh, considering, you know, what some of the other market numbers look like, what they would have had to, you know, spend up to, to pay him. And again, now Michael Gallup is probably missing the start of the season. He's probably starting on pop. So without really backfilling Amari or Michael Gallup, because Cedric Wilson walked as well, like he was impactful for them last year. So a lot of pressure on Jalen Tolbert to come in on day one. And obviously him getting starts in three receiver sets with James Washington, who can really never make it click in Pittsburgh either. That's a little bit dicey. That was kind of a strength for them last year. But then at the same time, we have Dak a year removed from the leg injury. And then last year he was dealing with a shoulder injury that messed up basically his, his preseason. And then he got a calf injury in season two. I think that limited him a little bit. So again, like I think we get a better version of Dak, but his weaponry is a little bit worse too. The offensive line is still probably pretty solid. They added Tyler Smith in the draft. He fits the Cowboys mode because he they led the league in, in penalties. He had like an insane amount of penalties last year in college, like I think 16 or 17 in a 10 game slate. So if he can kind of maintain that and get that under control, they're going to need him right away to step in on guard. So, yeah, it's an interesting team. I think the rest of the division got a little bit better. Um, so they're going to need some really good luck because I think this defense could maybe regress a little bit. Again, as Daigle pointed out, like those turnover things can kind of start to get kind of back to middling standpoint. And then all of a sudden they don't have the explosive plays and you know short fields that the offense worked with. So it's going to be an interesting team. I, the meat of the schedule comes early. We're going to find out, I think, pretty early Tampa and Cincy at home to start three of the next four on the road, including at the Rams and at Philly and back-to-back weeks in weeks five or six. So it gets a little bit easier for Dallas after they get through that. So hopefully they come in to camp and hit the ground running. Um, what's the best way to bet them, Connor? Um, were your thoughts of any of the numbers we looked at at the top? Uh, like to bet the Cowboys just in general. I yeah. Mean, would you play any of these totals or, I mean, honestly, maybe even a lean on the under at like 10 and a half. We're looking at points, but, uh, you know, that they have the best odds there. I mean, I don't know, but the schedule is so easy. Like, I, I just feel like that they could rack up a ton of wins within the season just because they're still better than most of the teams in the league. I just think that they're not like they're not an elite team anymore. Um, and so I, I just I, I think that they're going to fall down a little bit, just how much that impacts them there. So I think 10 and a half is about right. I'd probably lean under. I think I think. 
their offensive line is a lot more question marks than we think. It's the worst unit they're providing us in the last decade, but not not even close since Tyler Smith is such a, a project that the bottom could fall out. Like, And he could easily just need a full development year to even be league average. Not to mention that Randy Gregory, who you mentioned they left, leaves behind after he played a career high in snaps last year as finally a three-down edge rusher. Uh, they're replacing him with Dorrance Armstrong, and not because they like Dorrance Armstrong, because they're lazy and didn't try to get better, because Randy Gregory backed out of his deal last second with them because they wouldn't provide him an extra year on the contract. James Washington also, you said, but remember, James Washington was in a walking boot in minicamp, so we're, we are looking at Jalen Tolbert, and then also Sim Fahoku was in who was a 25-year-old draft pick from last year, was in first-team 11 personnel at minicamp because they had nowhere else to go. So, yeah, I, I worry about this team a whole lot. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, of course, who you mentioned big play potential because all he does is gamble. He actually led all starting cornerbacks with 18 and a half yards after the catch because, again, all he does is gamble. So it's just, I think it's a, a severely overrated team who will benefit from the schedule and being in this division that Washington did not get as great of a draw as we thought they would. Um, and then, yeah, we get to the playoffs, and again, they're just, they just don't matter. Yeah, I kind of would lean under, too. Again, points about the best way to get that. Um, there just are a lot of questions, and they are. I think they did step back to the pack a little bit more so uh, than, than getting better. Uh, they're, again, C.D. Lamb, like, there's a lot of pressure on him, as we mentioned. Like, man, if he doesn't, like, really emerge, they can't really find a way to get him the ball to make plays. Like, there's a lot of talk. Daigle, I don't know what your thoughts are. And Tony Pollard taking more of an active role in the passing game. No. Like, okay. <laughs> we can't. We can't. No, so I didn't I'm not talking to, about lining about wide. Per I didn't se, mean to like, cut you off. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, well, I, I mean, we do this. We do this every year. Like, Tony Pollard's touches. And remember, Tony Pollard's now in the last year of his contract. He's not getting re-signed. Like, they're already planning for Micah Parsons to be, like, higher paid than Aaron Donald. Like, he's going to be the highest paid defensive player in the league if he puts even up a half a season that was as good as last year because they don't have a choice to. But like Tony Pollard's touches per game did increase to a career high 11 and a half in the games that Ezekiel Elliott played last year. But even then, I, I've seen some mention as a, like a possible flex option when last year he only had seven top 24 finishes in fantasy um, or seven top 24 finishes the last 30 games with Zeke. I'm sorry, the past two years. Also, recall because they were such a short-sighted team and organization that last year week one Thursday night the season opener they led the league in pass play rate and didn't really run the ball against the Bucks because that's what they had to do in week one uh for that game plan and then afterwards of course they reverted right back to their bottom five run play rate and neutral game script because again they took three months to plan for one game and didn't plan beyond that because that's what they do so I understand the Tony Pollard love if Zeke were injured, but again, Zeke was injured last year and they still gave him 20 carries a game. So I, 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 I'm not really on that path. Um, the fact that Tony Pollard in fantasy, for example, should be treated like Alexander Madison, a player that does not have a role, but if he had the role, he'd be like a top five running back. But Pollard goes three rounds ahead of Alexander Madison. Same for like Rashad White. So their ADPs are just like egregious compared to the other players who offer the same roles and would be in the same situations if a player ahead of them gets injured. All right, we'll move on to the Eagles. Eagles are 30 to 1 to win the whole thing, 14 to 1 to win the NFC. Nine and a half is the win total number. There's some nines out there as well, depending on your lean. And they are plus 190 on MGM to win the division. From a strength of schedule standpoint, they have the second easiest in the league, though they do have a slight rest disadvantage, minus two games. I think obviously the 2021 version surpassed preseason expectations in a big, big way. Came in nothing but question marks surrounding Jalen Hurts. Can he be a full-time starter in this league? We had Nick Sirianni, who had multiple dicey press conferences that left us wondering if the lights were on when no one's home here. Um, you know, the coaching staff in Hurts' marriage is entering the second year, which is good. Still, I think some legitimate questions, though, around Jalen Hurts' ability to lead this team beyond a first-round playoff exit. The experience he gained helps. They also did a lot to build up the roster around him on both sides of the ball, um, which is going to be interesting. Connor, I know that you're a Jalen Hurts guy. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the Eagles? Oh, I think that the only thing I, I'm not like very sure about, or at least very like feel very confident about, is Jalen Hurts, to be honest. You know, I think that this team, they surrounded him with the offensive line is, you know, top ranked in our offensive line rankings, top ranked in PFFs. Um, you know, they have AJ Brown now, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard to throw to, 
Uh, their defense added, uh, you know, James Bradbury, Hassan Reddick. Uh, they drafted, you know, some N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis. Like they just, they beefed up a lot of their weaknesses. They faced an easy strength of schedule. They're only underdogs in three of 17 games this season. Uh, and they just have surrounded him with everything you could ask for. Uh, and like a relatively, I don't know if we can consider Sirianni sharp, but I mean, like, they're not like dolts. He's not a dolt, you know, like he's not someone that brings down talent, at least so we consider yet. Um, and so I think that with, as long as Jalen hurts, he doesn't need to be awesome. Like as long as he is competent, as long as he is just like average, this team should have no problem uh, competing for the top of this division and potentially, you know, and making the playoffs and potentially making a run here. So, I mean, we were on this early. Like we talked about this, I don't even know how long ago, months ago. We bet them to win the division uh, officially at plus 265, I believe. They're down to plus 190. I still think that that's fine. I mean, I think that they should be closer to like, the like the Cowboys price here because I think looking at their roster at face value, we're looking at something that I think is comparable, if not better, than what the Cowboys have outside of quarterback. Um, and so, yeah, I I think that all things considered here, that they should be closer to that. And I think some long shot Eagles futures are in play. If Jalen Hurts like upside case does pan out, you know, if the upside case pans out, then you're cooking. Like this Eagles team should be will compete among the best. So maybe I'm a little bit too bullish, but I think that. This uh, this Eagles team is in for a good year. The personnel and roster is in a different stratosphere compared to the Cowboys, honestly. It's hard to find any holes on this entire depth chart. Uh, our own Justin Edwards, offensive line guru, actually listed them with the top offensive line in the entire league, and I think he's right. Uh, Jalen Hurts, for as much as we knock him, even though we know from week five on, the Eagles changed their approach. They became a running team due to their offensive line, led the entire league from that point forward, and run play rate from neutral game script. But if you go back the year prior, since Jalen Hurts logged four starts with the Eagles to close the year before they benched him in that primetime game for the draft pick, uh, he's actually thrown for 300-plus yards in four of his first eight career starts, which is something Josh Allen didn't even do. So he has shown he can throw the ball. And as an offense that scored 25 rushing touchdowns to 20 passing touchdowns and only added one of the best receivers in the league, and A.J. Brown, who never garnered over 106 targets in any season yet in his career, not because of him, but because of the system that doesn't feed wide receivers targets, then like I actually think there is some sneaky ceiling. I came down from the mountains, um, and I w this was not a shroom-induced decision. So trust me, my brain didn't open up that much, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Um, but I came down from the mountains after doing some research and thought – yeah, like I am so down on Patrick Mahomes compared to the industry and so high on Jalen Hurts, which a lot of people are. Like Jalen Hurts should be higher in my rankings than Patrick Mahomes. And so I did move my best ball tiers and I put Jalen Hurts above Patrick Mahomes. So I'm, I'm very high on this offense regressing and being even better through the air. And just Jalen Hurts in general, who's now been a, a QB1, a top 12 quarterback in 16 of 19 career starts. I'm interested to see how this works because uh, I do think from like a fantasy perspective, Jalen Hurts obviously has a massive ceiling and can accumulate passing yards, especially in, you know, bad game scripts and all those things. He couldn't do in the playoffs against Tampa who dared him, dared him to throw and he had nothing. Um, they couldn't even really get anything off uh, from the running standpoint, but where AJ Brown has succeeded so far in his career. And I do believe that AJ Brown is the type of receiver that can really get it done anywhere. It's been a lot of stuff over the middle, right? A lot of drag routes, a lot of crossing routes over the middle of the field. And that's actually, I think 60% of his targets in his career so far have been uh, on short routes over the middle. The Eagles threw over the middle 10% of the time last year. League average is 22%. That was by far the lowest rate in the field. They're really scared to have Hertz make mistakes and read things in the middle. Um, kind of feels almost like a Trubisky thing in a way. Like he just, this is just something that we, we actually eliminate from the playbook because we know he's not confident over the middle. There's too much going on over here. And we just kind of let him kind of get a read or two on the side. And if not, we let him break it down and scramble. So can he evolve to that point? Because when you look at actually some of the passing metrics, like according to PFF, he was below average with a clean pocket. He ranked 23rd in their metric and he was 29th in adjusted completion percentage on deep balls. So yes, Fantasy-wise, he belongs up there because of his legs. Um, they do have better weapons. I do think, you know, Devontae Smith, now things get a little bit easier for him too. But, like, to take this team to the next level, the strides he has to make as a passer, I still have some questions about. I think that he's shown improvements. And, again, continuity around offensive systems and offensive line, all those things make it a lot easier for him. So I can't, I won't say that he can't do it. It just does feel like the one thing 
holding back this team. The defense is significantly better as well. My my one issue is that as Connor hinted on, their win total is nine and a half. I don't know if it's just in the higher, but their win total is nine and a half. And they're actually favored in 12 games this year. Uh, and they did like the one blemish in their schedule is that no team last year played more than two short week road games. So little rest road game. But Philadelphia this year has a league high four of them. Two of them being against division opponents, the Washington and the Cowboys. The Cowboys being the only other team I think could actually win this division. And so that's my my lone concern. But they still have the best personnel and best roster in this division, bar none. And so that's why I'm still very high on the over on their win total. I mean, what do you guys think that we see from them? So kind of like going back to last season at the start of the year, you know, we, we obviously talk about the splits between, oh, they started the first seven weeks. I believe that they were second in PR PROE, you know, pass rate over expectation. And then the last half of the season, they were dead last or, you know, pretty much near dead last pass rate over expectation, entirely flipping their script on the head. But then if you look at who they played in the first half of the season, you know, they played against the Niners, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bucks, uh, the Raiders. It was their final loss before they decided to flip it on their head. But then you look at the teams they played on the other side, the Lions, the Giants, the Jets, Washington football team twice, Giants twice, and then the Cowboys one last time where, you know, they got destroyed, but it was the last week of the year, so it didn't matter. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like, I think there's so much context that goes into those splits that like, you know, are just not generally talked about. And like, to their point, like, you know, the addition of AJ Brown opens up a lot for them versus a rookie Devonta Smith being their true number one wideout. Like you probably shouldn't be passing the ball like, you know, 50 times a game or 40 times a game, you know, but now you have AJ Brown. Now you have Devonta and, and Dallas Goddard all together with a good offense, pass playing offensive line. If they can just every game focus on attacking the weaknesses of the opponent, they have the personnel and like skill players to do that. Like if they need to pass every play. They can do that. They can hang with anyone. But if they need to run, if they can just dominate the run like they did against, I mean, the Lions, they won 44 to six that first week dominating the run and just, I mean, like obliterated them. It was not even a game. Well, go, I mean, go beyond that. They averaged over four and a half yards per carry against the Bucks and Saints, the two toughest right. run de- defenses in the entire league. Uh, I think they'll do what is best for them, and that is to continue to run. But also, they won't get the opportunity in every game with a with a bit of a tougher schedule to run as well. So, yeah, that, that's why I mentioned the rushing touchdowns more than passing touchdowns, which only 21 teams have accomplished in the last decade. Uh, I expect that number to regress and to naturally have more passing touchdowns. So that's why I think the passing offense will have no choice, really, but to be more involved. It was interesting, too. I remember last year when uh, Jonathan Gagnon in the D.C. got just absolutely roasted because he was asked about his defensive system. And I think he was thinking about it in a progressive way, but he said, well, we don't have a system. We, we like we're malleable enough to take whatever the defense or whatever, you know, match up, whatever the offense is doing. Um, and it looked like early in the season that they did not have a system. There was a lot of sit back in zone and not do anything. They were not very aggressive. They didn't have much of a pass rush. Um, the secondary was, was poor really outside of Darius Slay. When you look at what they've done, adding Hassan Reddick is a massive ad. Um, they get James Bradbury from the giants to put him with Darius Slay. That's a nice, one-two combo at corner. And then what they did in the draft with the duo from Georgia with Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean, like just the talent on the defensive side too is massive. They finished 29th in pressure rate, 28th in adjusted sack rate last season. I think we see massive strides forward for them there as well. So again, there's other, the other side of the ball is going to help maybe put them in advantageous situations where they can run a little bit more too. So I'm not down on the Eagles. I, again, I think it's inarguable. Like Daigle said, it is the best roster in the division. They have a major question mark that needs to get answered. Um, and they have the draft capital to answer it next season. If Hertz is not in position to take a stranglehold of that job this year. I mean, again, they did everything that they possibly can from an organizational standpoint to surround him and put him in the best opportunity to succeed. So let's see if it happens. Cause this division, I do think is winnable in a big way. Um, you mentioned the schedule too couple other little notes too. Um, second straight year, they have a top five schedule. It was fifth easiest last year, second so far this year based on projected win totals. Um, they do, as Daigle mentioned, have a little bit of that tough little schedule. They only play two 2021 playoff teams, Arizona and Dallas. Dallas is a big one. That's late in the year. That's probably going to matter a lot because we think Dallas is probably in the mix. That's the third leg of back-to-back-to-back road games for the Eagles. So late in the year, three road games in the division, tough spot. 
Um, that was one of the look ahead ones that I thought if we could, you know, get down on it now, that probably moves a little bit, all things that we know now, considering if uh, both teams stay healthy. All right. Commander's time. Uh, they have a uh, the 80 to one to win the entire thing. They are 35 to one to win the NFC. Seven and a half is the win total number. There's eight and a half out there at MGM, uh, juiced massively to the under, obviously. They are five to one to win the division. From a strength of schedule standpoint, they have the sixth easiest schedule in the league, and they have a, a slight rest disadvantage, literally just one game. So I think expectations at this time of year, at this time last year, were through the roof. Um, we were part of that too. We we're coming off of a really nice season led by a young defense. They had signed everyone's favorite journeyman quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. We thought that his kind of like DGAF style was going to bode well for pushing it down the field. They have some young offensive weapons that everyone liked, and Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, and that ended quickly. Uh, first game against the Chargers, Fitz went out. They ended up losing a bunch of other games to injury too with key starters. Chase Young, Montez Sweat went down, and it was a mess here with the Commanders. Uh, makes sense. It's a mess off the field here, Daigle, as well. Uh, talk to me about your favorite quarterback in the league and the uh, Washington Commanders. Third stringer Carson Wentz, recall, <laughs> opened the year last year through week nine with the 11th highest EPA per play among quarterbacks. And that's what allowed Michael Pittman to that time to be what? No. Yeah. Michael Pittman to that time to be the wide receiver seven in fantasy points per game. He scored five touchdowns in that span. But then from week 10 on, we saw the real Carson Wentz with just uh, with just six of eight games failed to go over 200 yards. And from that point forward, Michael Pittman actually only eclipsed 80 yards in one of those games and only scored one touchdown to close the year as Wentz was then in the second half of the season, the 19th quarterback in EPA per game. So the narrative is that Terry McLaurin is playing with the best quarterback of his career. And I, I genuinely don't know if that's true because if it is given the offensive line downgrade from the best offensive line, Carson Wentz will have ever played with at the end of his career to this Washington line which Justin Edwards again ranked as top 12 and we can wash out the loss of Brandon Scherf with Andrew Norwell no big deal I do have a question about Trey Turner even though he's familiar with Ron Rivera's system and Scott Turner's system but overall like that offensive line Wentz played with to still have that abysmal that replaceable of a second half of a season and still finish with the second highest rate of inaccurate targets in his entire career. Like there is no guarantee Terry McLaurin's playing with the best quarterback of his career. If Wentz is that person rather than the anomaly that he was in the first half of the season. So no, I, I'm, I'm not high on this team whatsoever. Uh, if Connor has thoughts on defensive regression, I'd love to hear it knowing that they still have five first rounders in their front seven, but overall like the offense, I, I could care less about. Real quick before he Connor jumps in, is he better than Taylor Heineke? I don't know. I really do not know. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. I think Daigle's point, like, I mean, I think he's probably better, but like how much better really? Like, I mean, like, what are we talking? Like Taylor Heineke is probably a bottom three quarterback and maybe Carson Wentz is like a bottom six. You know what I mean? Like, like really how much improvement are we seeing? You know, even if he is better. So I think that that's something that we we've discussed before. Like, I think to see a measurable improvement, we would have to see Wentz be like a league average quarterback. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm, you know, underestimating how much even a slight upgrade to quarterback matters, but it just seems like Wentz is, you know, Wentz loses games. I mean, that's kind of how, how I would describe him is that he's capable sometimes, but he loses games. Uh, I mean, as we saw multiple times. Defensively, though, to Dago's point, uh, they ranked 29th in EPA per play, 28th against the pass, 29th in explosive pass rate allowed. Obviously, there were a lot of injuries. They're getting some guys back. They have hypothetical talent. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I just can't get on board. There's so many, well, yeah, if this happens, then they could be good. Or, you know, if the offensive line ends up being good and if Carson Wentz ends up re regressing to or returning to, you know, midseason form or or like, you know, if we see this, like there's just way too many things that need to be answered for this team to come together and be like a competent eight, nine win team. Uh, so, you know, I think we're still seeing some, the winter is seven and a half at Caesars. Uh, you're still seeing eight and a half if you want to lay the juice. I mean, I struggle to find a way that this team wins nine games. I think that maybe six to seven to eight, you know, that's certainly like, I think the healthy part of their range of outcomes, but I also think the floor is a lot lower if none of those or, you know, two thirds of those statements are not correct that we mentioned earlier. 
And beyond that, they're only favored in six games this season, despite playing the 60, the easiest strength of schedule. So I, yeah, I lean under, uh, I, something that I've considered, but it's not something I've played yet. I don't know. Newton, do you have a strong take on this either way? Or are you, you a little bit higher on Carson Wentz than us? No, no, I, 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 I'm a believer in Scott Turner a little bit, but again, like Carson Wentz is coming from Frank, right? Right. So like, it's not, this, not like he's gaining in play caller talents, right? It's not like Scott Turner is going to be this magician that Frank Reich hasn't been his, his entire career too. So there's just some other, like defensively, they were, it was so bad. And they lost, I think the football outsiders adjusted games lost from injuries. I think they had the third highest. They lost a ton of impactful things, uh, games lost from guys, especially on the defensive side. And when you look at their third down and fourth down performance against the pass, they were by far the worst in the league. Now, this metric, again, has kind of regressed to more of like a, a league average over the course of time as well. They had they allowed a success rate of 49% on third and fourth down passes. They were nearly 10% worse than the next worst team, the 31st ranked team, Jets. That's how bad they were. They were significantly by far the worst. So we know defensive metrics aren't super sticky. Again, the other thing that's a challenge here is that they're essentially running it back with the same unit and the same defensive coordinator. So oftentimes when that regresses, there's usually either like a defensive coordinator change happened along with it or an influx of talent. They didn't do either of those two things. They rolled Jack Del Rio back out, uh, who fits totally all the off-the-field stuff that Washington has going on. And then they really are running back with the same talent. They basically have, like I think, the eight guys that played the most snaps defensively last year or back this year in a starting role. So... Well, I do think that like there's a stat that's going to tell me that that should regress. They didn't necessarily do anything to help themselves. So I don't think that they're I, – I, Carson Wentz isn't good. And you're right, Dave, uh, Connor. Like I don't think that like the difference between Heineke and him is massive and we're talking about the bottom three and bottom five. I just think the number's probably fine. I think that they're probably a seven or eight win team. Um, I think the offensive line is okay. I think that the schedule is soft enough where they could take advantage of some stuff like – I don't know. I just think it'd be really hard for them to bottom out as bad as they were defensively last year. And I don't know. I'm, I just don't have a strong take to say that they just are crap or not. If we were getting eight and a half at even, I would definitely take the under, but eight I and think half, that's probably the right play. Minus 160 is a little bit much. So seven and a half mine, like even, you know, on the under, uh, you know, it's definitely a strong lean for me. Maybe, honestly, I would consider taking like an alternate under at like heavy plus money or something instead just to kind of like factor in that range. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, they, they get to play the Giants twice. They're, I mean, almost certainly going to win one of those games. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. There's just some yeah. games on their, I, there's just some games on their schedule that, uh, you know, I think that they can, that they can win. So we'll talk about the Giants in a second here, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. I just think when we look at the, the, the Washington football team, the commanders through the lens of last year, they ended up playing the hardest schedule. They played nine would be playoff teams. They have a significantly easier schedule this year than they had all those injuries. Um, there are some other things I think just uh, that we know historically that sometimes regress. If they can get even what he did last year. If they get that out of Carson Wentz, they probably win seven, eight games, which like you said, it's probably the right number. Um, Really hard to make a, a case for an over eight and a half. That's that that would be. I, I just I'm not there. So, all right, we will move on to our last team, the New York Football Giants. 130 to win the Super Bowl, 60 to win the NFC. They are uh, seven to seven and a half, depending on what you're looking to do here from win total standpoint. And they are eight to one to win the division here. Easiest strength of schedule in the league. They have a slight plus one. Rest advantage. I think obviously when you are turning the page and going from Joe Judge and Jason Garrett and all the things that came along with that and heading to a Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka, you know, you know, heading over from Buffalo. We like all that has been happening there over the last couple of years. They took basically a big toolsy athletic quarterback and turned him into one of the best weapons in the league. I think it's going to be a little bit harder for them to do again, but I think I understand why there's some optimism on the Giants' side, considering the offensive weapons that they have there as well. Defense is another question, Daigle, but give me your thoughts on the Giants. From their offense perspective, 
Uh, recall the Giants scored the fewest touchdowns and were next to last in points scored in back-to-back seasons under Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. Last year's 12.7% touchdown rate was actually their lowest as a franchise since 2003. So we're expecting automatic regression just from them being better overall and getting everything else right, which we'll get there. Also, it's fun. This offense is fun because Brian Dable, of course, ran the fewest amount of multi-tight end sets with the Bills last year. So we were expecting the Giants, who have five strong receivers going all the way down to Darius Slayton and Wandell Robinson. Sterling Shepard, which is a forgotten one, but he's still included. We expect them, especially with no receiving tight ends, to play four wide sets often under Dable. And we expect them to be doing that a lot because not only for the offensive regression standpoint, but because you mentioned their defense, like replacing Logan Ryan and James Bradbury, who combined for 31 starts and 150 tackles last year. They're doing so with Adore Jackson, who steps in and has been washed for two or three years now. Uh, they're moving Aaron Robinson, a second-year cornerback, from the slot. He was their starting slot cornerback last year, and they're basically just forcing him to play left cornerback. And then they're depending on Xavier McKinney to basically be an every-down player, and he did lead the team with five picks last year, but it's just a lot to ask. It's honestly one of the worst secondaries in the entire league that's a that is a unit they are still that still has a long way to go so they spent so much focus on their offensive line in particular this offseason but also that's good for daniel jones in this offense because i think they can be fun given everything i said not to mention that last year remember the bills in their last seven games they jammed devin singletary 17 carries per game not because they like devin singletary he's on the final year of his contract and they won't resign him but because like they just looked around and said Look at all these two-eye safety defenses we're having to play since, like the Chiefs, teams figured us out. Like, we just have to run the ball. That's why Josh Allen also averaged an increase in carries per game. But in that span of those last seven games, 68% of his carries were actually designed runs, designed by Dable. And so I expect Daniel Jones to do the same thing, to for everything to be spread out and for them to design runs since he's only averaged uh, three free yards per game last year yards per carry yeah yards per game last year than Kyler Murray and so I'm high on Daniel Jones fantasy I think this offense is going to be fun I think the offense is significantly improved and will score a lot more touchdowns honestly like at least double digit more um and yeah I'm actually I'm excited about the Giants I think they could be the second or third best team in this division I do too I actually like I Daniel Jones is probably my highest owned rostered uh best ball quarterback because I think like the, the cost is um, is crazy. You're like referencing some of the season long stats. Like we had Jake Fromm starts. We had Mike Glennon starts in there last year. Again, Joe judge and Jason Garrett play calling just an absolute mess. When you kind of look at it on paper, because the defense is so bad, like the giants feel like a massive over team. We're going to have, when they're playing really good offenses, we're going to get some over games with the giants. If they can stay healthy, if we can put Kadarius, Tony, a healthy Kenny Galladay out there, and he's, like you said, Shepard, I think they reached on uh, Wandell Robertson, but like it seemed like they want to do specific stuff with him. And he seems like a type of guy that you scheme you know, four or five plays for a game and see if you can do something Isaiah McKenzie style and, and create right, like wide receiver screens and let him kind of work in space because that was not something the Giants did last year. So I do think there is uh, you know, Sterling Shepard, if he can stay unconcussed, hopefully, and stay on the field for a little bit, like, and Saquon, we're not even talking about Saquon, who is still just 25 and looked really good last year when he was healthy. We know what he can do if he can stay upright. Like even Matt Breida, who was like a nice, capable backup who looked decent in Buffalo last year. You mentioned the offensive line. Like all the things there make a lot of sense. And the secondary is probably a bottom three unit. It's it's terrible. It is awful. Like it's one that you look at for fantasy in particular, you look at their defense and just say, can, like, will they actually like, force negative game scripts here and boy that's secondary yeah and they brought wink martindale out of retirement right. who likes to be aggressive he likes to blitz um it didn't work last year with baltimore when they had all the injuries that was a i think they were dead last in epa per drop back again because they had a ton of injuries but like they're starting right now with the talent that baltimore had i think at the end of the season it is it's rough connor what are your thoughts here on the giants no, I echo that. I mean, basically everything you guys said here exactly. I'm not betting the over on this win total at all because this defense, I think this secondary is going to be so, so bad. 
like just, I mean, absolutely terrible. And the offense, I, they're due for some regression. Last year, they only scored 258 total points. Only 53% of those were from touchdowns, which is the lowest in the league. Over 30% of their total points were from field goals. Just so strange. It was it was by far the highest point in the league. So obviously some of that regresses. As you mentioned, I just think that, and everything that I've heard you know, from people you know, connected to the New York front office is that this is like a test year. They're just going to let Daniel Jones just like loose completely and just evaluate what they have because they need to know, you know, kind of like going forward, whether he is a guy that they could actually build around is worth building around, or if they need to figure something else out. And I think that in the, this is maybe not a completely fair test, but you know, he has some reasonable weapons and they added Evan Neal on the line. I mean, their offensive line should be, you know, okay. So like, I, I don't think that their, their offense is the problem at all outside of Daniel Jones being incredibly turnover prone, but their defense is going to cause serious, serious issues. So, uh, you know, I, I am, I, that's, that's my biggest takeaway. I actually looked for a market and you'll get it week to week is like most points allowed in the season. Uh, this would be a prime team to take, I think, uh, if we get that market in the season and it, week to week, I'll be looking for it, especially early on. You'll be able to catch some good numbers on them. It's it's still funny to me, too. Everything we mentioned about their point score and touchdown rate. And then like that guy, Joe Judge, is the one Bill Belichick thought. Let's go and get <laughs> that savant on offense. Oh, Don't think man. I wasn't thinking about it when doing the homework here for this. I'm like, gosh, we're giving this guy the keys to the like, again. I mean, that- jo- Joe Judge tried to end the careers he may have ended the career of evan ingram but he like tried to end the careers of saquon barkley daniel jones kenny galladay he may have successfully done so as well too it's it's actually pretty incredible you make a good point though connor it is a test here right like they they brought the buffalo model over right so like the G, gm is you know formerly of the bills they barely spent any money right but they came in and he acquired a massive massive cap nightmare they didn't spend a ton of money either so they did not re-up jones on his fifth year like they're not tied to him. I do think that because like they signed um, Tyra Taylor as the backup quarterback, like I like when they see, especially when I, we think we want a quarterback they can run. We saw it in Buffalo last year with Mitch. Like Mitch is the backup. It just, there's continuity around offensive systems, knowing that like they're going to design some running, some boots and some stuff like that to the, for the quarterback position. And I think that's encouraging for the offense. So, Again, this is going to be an over team, you know, Giants team total over game overs because the defense is, is atrocious. Um, I'm already trying to look for some advantageous spots where we can jump on that because, again, when you look at some of this stuff last year, the offensive baseline is so low because, again, we had, you know, Jake Fromm starts and we had Mike Glennon starts last year because we only got three starts from Daniel Jones last year. So this is a really rough team when you're trying to look at pulling 2021 stuff forward. So if they can stay on the field, it's going to be interesting. But, uh, you know, getting them over in the win total, I I would lean over just because I think the offense can get it done sometimes, but it's not a bet I'm running to make. I, I like just looked at it now. So right now they play week one. They play the they play the Titans. There's six and a half point dogs, only a 43 point total. But I don't really like the Titans that much easier either. But last year, the Giants ranked dead last in run EPA per play. Uh, and now you mentioned their secondary. Uh, I mean, the Titans might just give Henry the ball 30 times and call it a day. Uh, you know, it'll just be over. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, they had some injuries up front too last year, so they should be a little bit better up front. I think the really the, the problem is the back half and not as much the front seven. So maybe Thibodeau can emerge and add some pressure and they're not as bad and that helps, but like that's a, that's a tall task. So they're going to be fun to, to watch though, which is not what we've been saying often in the Daniel Jones era. <laughs> The Jets and the Giants, fun to watch. I mean, who would have thought that? I still don't think the Jets are going to be fun to watch. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. Sorry, Clark. I mean, Clark went down the rabbit hole with Zach, Zach Wilson. I'm not there. I'll say I'm w- guys, willing to be proved wrong. But I'll you guys be better be careful out here. I mean, there's a lot of Jets fans out in the fantasy community here. Yeah. If the Jets fans want to hop into my mentions, like the climate deniers that are out there, <laughs> you're more than welcome to come on in. There's room for everyone. Water's warm. Oh. He saw Mike White check down. All he had to do was learn how to check down, and he returned from injury and did not. Like, he was still the same player. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. I'm just uh, I'm just telling you that we are way lower than consensus on the Jets. They had a good offseason. So, if you want to find the Jets podcast, listen to last week's show. That wraps us up for now on the uh, NFC East. We'll go around, and you guys can tell me your favorite bet in the division. I'll start with uh, Daigle. I'll go Eagles- over 
nine and a half win total. No problem there, Connor. What do you got? Um, I'll go back with my CD Lambet. I mean, this is this is gonna win. I'm, I have a good feeling. We're gonna we're gonna mm. we're gonna ship this shit. Uh, I might might add to it honestly at fifteen to one here because there'll be a nice little bonus at the end of the year. Uh, obviously, Cooper Cup will be in contention, and our projections heavily lean towards him. But you know, I, I think we're underrating CD Lamb in terms of just his like pure reception output. You know, uh, and like especially in games that they're behind and throwing throwing even more. I mean, he he could be 10, 11, 12 receptions in those games. Jalen Tolbert, rookie of the year. I mean, I, I actually was looking about the market today for the covers show, and I think the market's gross. I, I hate I hate that market because I all the top of the board is like Christian Watson and Traylon Burks and Kenny Pickett's not even starting like, you know, like all those things. I mean, I'm not betting any of those guys trash. So I don't know. You could talk me into it. <laughs> um, I'll go under on the Cowboys at 10 and a half. Um, we talked about the start. I, I think there are lots of ways that, that goes wrong. 10 and a half is a big number. And I think that they are closer to the rest of the division. Uh, again, like I, I don't know. I'm not here to like carry the flag for Washington or the Giants, but I think that they are closer than they were last year in a significant way. We still have massive question marks for both those clubs, but I don't know. I don't love the Cowboys. So under 10 and a half. Don't mind that. Yeah, I think we're all we're all interested in that. I don't know. That that would probably be like my second or third favorite play with the Eagles probably being my other like straight, you know, the over and the win totals. I unloaded at eight and a half, and so nine and a half is still a good number, I think. All right, boys. Uh Daigle, what do you got going on in the site? Team previews up two divisions through. Uh now I gotta now it's scramble since I'm back in and catch up on this NFC East section. Uh hopefully two to three up by the time I leave for Connor's wedding in 48 hours. So we'll go from there. Big uh big week for you, buddy. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh excited to hang out with you guys this weekend and uh you know be hitched, uh, you know, hop on the team, hopefully at some point. And, uh, I'm just excited know. for it all to be over with since housing arrangements have been an My absolute disaster. There, there's <laughs> been so many other people too. It's just been, Oh man. The worst part of the wedding is like the last week leading up to it where you got to deal with other people's drama that shouldn't yeah, it's, be on your radar. It's been damage control in this house too on other things. So I'm happy for it to be over with more excited for the honeymoon at this point than the damn wedding. <laughs> Always <laughs> looking forward to it. Early congrats. Excited about it. I contemplated being the guy like, I, gosh, I really want to get you a new driver for your wedding. But, you know, I just I can't do that to Maggie. But, <laughs> you know, we need to upgrade your clubs, buddy. You need to get your hitting with something that was made in this century off the tee. <laughs> Still might not help, but, you know, it can't hurt. Yeah, uh, that's can't for sure. hurt. <laughs> it can't hurt. We'll see. So, uh, I'm not sure what our next round of golf is considering uh, what you got coming up, but uh, hopefully soon. Maybe find a way to do it anyway so all right folks as always 444.com slash plans to get the betting sub best way to get all everything on the site again i'm i think it's the best bang for your buck out there in the space with all the tools that we have on the sites season long rankings projections underdog redraft uh, league hero draft sync all those different tools any type of splits research tool you want continue to roll on new stuff on the betting side um absolutely a bargain out there when you compare us to other spots in the space so all right we'll be back uh, i don't know what we're doing next week we'll be back in some form with a new, another show with another division so for connor and Dick, i'm ryan we'll see y'all soon